0: You're listening to Dots, Lines, and Destinations, a travel podcast with hosts Stephen Seagraves, Fosma Moon, and Seth Miller. Hello, and welcome to episode 418 of Dots, Lines, and Destinations. I'm Stephen Seagraves, joined by Seth Miller this week. Mr. Miller.
1: Mr. Seagraves, how you doing? Doing all right. How about yourself? Eh, not too shabby. Back from New York, rested? An eventful weekend of, you know, partying across New York City and New Jersey. <laughs> uh i posted this on twitter the other day like i really miss the quite frankly eavesdropping on other people's conversations co- being so crowded into restaurants in new york yeah like where you uh, can
0: hear everything that's going on
1: oh yeah yeah uh the table next to us at dinner on friday night at a steakhouse in new jersey was just top notch straight from central <laughs> casting like ha- like a Ju- a jewish italian blend <laughs> of punchlines and insane com- comments uh the diaspora uh we don't know what diaspora it was but he was talking about the diaspora at one point that really almost like mid-bite i almost choked on my steak it was pretty great it's
0: it's, uh interesting yeah Uh, anyway (laughs) um so we got a lot to talk about uh tell me about commute air getting honed
1: (laughs) so it turns out that maybe dev server should be better secured i think it's the lesson here uh apparently they had a development server that was unsecured open to the internet and had an anonymous admin login or something close to it uh hard-coded credentials for some of their acars management systems uh and access to a whole bunch of their aws buckets so all this stuff they you know they're a big uh aws cloud user uh apparently all this stuff was basically accessible uh, and included in that was a version of either the no-fly or the uh, watch list. There's two, right? There's a no-fly and there's a maybe-fly <laughs> list, for lack of a better word, and uh, something like a million rows in a table. But also, like all of the pilots' names, birth dates, and pilot uh, license numbers. Wow. Yeah, just terrible. Um, and this was not, this was a this was a researcher, right? That was. Doing this Yes, um, the person who identified it and published it via uh, a media outlet, and then sort of published his own additional analysis, uh, would appear to probably be a white hat. But who knows how much of it was out? Like, if anyone else found it prior to that, like, right? I mean, if you're white hat, you usually report this to the. Player. And he did. Yeah, uh, they did report it. Um, also, you know, reported it and reported on it. Um, but right, like, okay, so fine, it's been reported now. But did anybody else have access to it in the interim? Um, the good news i guess is that arguably it's not a safety issue the no fly list is weird though because yes we, we don't know the names
0: on the no fly list right like people don't know if they're on the no fly list well i guess you know once you find out right that
1: you're yeah not allowed to fly. but like, i have you a don't... former colleague who was on the watch list for sure like yeah we want so... to the gate and he was like yes i won't be getting on this last minute ticket to dc with you sorry i was like really <laughs> he's like yeah like, oh right got it see you soon <laughs> Or, like, people who share names, right? Like, there's people who share yeah. names with other people and stuff. So, I, I, mean, I mean, it's just... That's what was. It's like a misspelling of a shared name that he knew he was on the land. Actually, I think he got a redress number and sort of got it cleared. But, like, not easy.
0: Yeah. And and for people to be, you know, for this information to kind of be readily available, I think is not necessarily the greatest look for uh, international governments and the U.S. government, you know, in particular. Yeah. But, so. Yeah. Wild. Um, DCA. Uh Reagan, Reagan National. What do we call it?
1: I, yes, sure. Uh,
0: is it connecting airport now?
1: Sort of. The American, or the, not American, the, well, it's with American, but the airport authority put out some statistics, uh, I guess, at one point last week, and Ned Russell was sharing them and noted that the number of connecting passengers has, like, more than doubled
0: hmm.
1: since 2019, um, or something like that. It's up to, like, I think for Q3, of the 1.6-ish million passengers, 600,000 employments were connections, and historically, that would have been much closer to, like, a quarter million. Huh. Against a similar the... number of O and D sort of people just flying to and from DC. And so I mean the take there is it's American is seeing, you know, fewer or airlines in general are seeing fewer people going to DC. Mm-hmm. It's a very high business heavy business travel shut down, a lot of stuff shut down, government or private business related to COVID. Uh federal government still is not return to office mandate in DC, so there's a lot less travel in and out for that. And then American has those slots and isn't gonna let isn't gonna waste them. Yeah, so they're building flight banks that actually are carrying connecting flow now up and down the East Coast. Is is that? That's what I was going to ask. Is it mostly East Coast uh, centric? I would assume so. Between the uh, flight perimeter rule, right? You can Mm -hmm. only fly twelve fifty or fifteen hundred. Yeah, yeah. One of them's Laguardia and one's DC. Um, But yeah, so you can only fly so far. I think Laguardia's fifteen hundred and DC's twelve fifty. But you can only fly so far that DC does have some exceptions for West coast stuff and American holds a lot of those uh, exception routes like Phoenix and LA and whatnot. But I think sort of overall, you know, some of those also I'm sure do have the connections, but just based on the volume of flights and the routes available, it's mostly East coast stuff. I see it every now and then when I'm looking at options like Jacksonville to Boston, I was getting offered connections in DC, which was unheard of before.
0: Hmm. Mm -hmm. Would you, I mean, is that, is it convenient for you? I guess is the question. Like, I mean it's on the way uh, I
1: mean, right like as connections go dc is not a bad one for me right yeah. it's a small relatively small easy airport single runway you could argue like limits operations as weather starts to get worse it's less flexible and it's busy so there's no like pad for you know they have to start canceling flights as weather gets worse versus like bwi just up the road okay the weather's getting bad but they're not running at runway limits anyways yep so if we have to drop you know if the runways can handle 50 arrivals an hour and now they can only handle 40 bw might not have might not have to cancel flights but dca would Yep. Um, making those numbers up i know they're not accurate but you get the idea yep. um i'd rather connect there than anywhere in the new york city area for sure yeah yeah. um would i rather connect in atlanta or charlotte than dc probably not dc because again dc's a small airport's got decent concessions like why not and it's all and it's all
0: connected behind security now so
1: almost all but yeah i mean the yep. american stuff certainly, where i would be connecting certainly is it's, no it's, not, it's not it's not it's not one. well i mean i guess
0: the spirit and that terminal's not yet
1: right, yeah, right. the band the, yeah. a, the original a banjo you know, is still yeah. separate
0: yeah um that's i mean it's fascinating to me i I don't mind dca i think it's convenient i mean it's convenient to the city but it's also just a convenient airport because it's fairly easy and they, like you said the concessions are you know nice yeah but it's actually it's a nice airport like it's quiet for the most part um clean uh yeah i, I mean i wouldn't mind connecting there compared yes. to some of
1: the other places i've connected I mean, yeah. I still am trying to buy more nonstop flights than not, but. (laughs) Um, Tell me about Croatia Airlines and the A220. Six of them on order now for, to be a leasing company. I think delivery starts next year or the year after. Okay. Uh, Rumor has it, though, that they're going to become an all A220 airline, a la Air Baltic. Okay. Uh, Yeah. Interesting. I I mean, it's... it's interesting to me because they run
0: Q4s, Q400s, and, like, an Airbus, like, I think it's 320s or 319s, um, quite a bit. So, it's it, this is just interesting to me to become completely A220, uh, especially on some of their really, really short routes.
1: Yeah, and that may affect some of the short routes. Um, yeah. It's Air Lease Corporation is placing six of them, four to 300 series and two 100 series starting next year. Um yeah maybe it doesn't become an all-A-220 airline right away. Um, I did hear that being, that's not specifically in the press release, but I've heard that bandied about. I mean, Air Baltic loves it as a Mm. type. Everyone who has it seems to love it as an operation. Air Baltic is always more effusive about it than not, um, other than, like, the whole spare parts problems they've been having that had, I think those were engine-related specifically, but Mm. they had to ground some planes, um, and and these days Airbus isn't delivering basically anything on time, um, but they're behind by a few months on some of their planes um i think we'll talk about that in bonus topics a little too uh with some of the...
0: so so what's the um so, so what's the difference between the models then that they're getting
1: capacity? Uh, yeah the 300 can hold like five extra rows i think four okay. extra rows um
0: so 25 more people or six
1: yes yeah, so roughly um yeah. and so yeah and there's i mean there's some range differences but nothing that will affect croatia's route map yeah i mean they, they run a mostly you know your Euro- intra-european no. You can, that's, that's you do North Africa. I mean, Air Baltic goes as far as uh Grand Canary from Riga and Dubai from Riga, which is like a seven and a half or eight hour flight. That's insane to me. Yeah. Long trip, but they seem to be happy with it.
0: Yeah, I mean I, I, I get it, it.
1: <laughs> I don't know that I would
0: I would love an an eight hour flight on an A two twenty, but
1: Oops, certainly things. in the back with you know without a bed. Yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs> Uh, let's see what you said. Riga to Dubai, right? Yeah. Let's see what let's see what the range is. Let's see. It's, it's twenty six hundred miles. Yeah. That's yeah.
1: It's like more than it's the US. Twenty seven hundred. Yeah, yeah. It's like the US Transcon, the longest of the US Transcon. So.
0: Yeah, and I'm sure it's longer now with having to go past or you know around Ukraine. So. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Fascinating. Um. Lufthansa is uh, formally uh, asking to be allowed to negotiate for uh, ITA.
1: Yeah. So this is right, we've talked about this off and on for years it seems uh, <laughs> so wh- when last we spoke it was basically the government was manipulating the bid requirements so that the Lufthansa group would be allowed would be qualified and the only qualified bidder so Air France KLM came in as the bidder and or with Delta and a hedge fund leading the the hedge fund was going to provide the money and then something happened and the government didn't like the bid so they came up with uh, a rebid package and changed the rules so that now the cash has to come from an airline organization, not a third party. Hmm. And Lufthansa Group had, al- had always been, or not always, but had previously been willing to spend at least some money for real. Um, they had also had a partnership with MSC, which is like a shipping magnate company, Yep, who was going to help provide some of the money that they had dropped out earlier. So it was going to just be Lufthansa money. Um, at the same time, however, this is still early negotiations basically Lufthansa sort of put together an, a term sheet or an offer sheet of things we should start talking about not this is the deal got gotcha. and okay. so Lufthansa group was the only bidder so um when they put in the bid it was you know wink wink nudge nudge but they had to wait until uh the sky team folks officially didn't bid uh, which they didn't and so now that they're the only bidder they will enter into an exclusive negotiation period with the Italian government during which they can try to figure out if the italian government will cut a reasonable deal Hmm. and then if that happens i think lufthansa group will take a minority stake with certain conditions and you know uh benchmarks that would then trigger a majority of full or full stake wow okay so at the end of all that the part that i'm still not sure of is would be like is the italian government willing to give up control of its airline Mm -hmm. right will they step away are they going to demand i'm sure they're happy to for lufthansa to pump millions of euros, hundreds of millions of euros into the operation. Mm. Is the Italian government going to be willing to step away and say, okay, you know, you, you break it, you bought it. We broke it, you bought it. I don't know. how that <laughs> Well, are like, are they going to, are they going to like render control over to... Like, right. Well, they, they, and they Lufthansa demand. Group, yeah, I can, can't imagine Lufthansa Group is going to want even like a golden share sort of situation where the Italian government ultimately has veto power if Lufthansa Group's putting in all the cash. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think that would be an acceptable set of terms for them. So, I, I it, it's far from a done deal. I guess is where we're still at.
0: As as the Italian government though, is it a pride thing to hang on to the airline, or do you actually see it as a money making venture? I mean, you've held on to it for this long.
1: Oh, they definitely are making money.
0: Well, that's what I mean. So, like, you know, you're not going to make. You know, you haven't made money. Uh, why take the risk that you will continue to not make money? Right? It's a risk that you have
1: to calculate. Yeah, but because this time we know what we're doing.
0: Yeah, but, uh, but
1: you... no. I mean, you're right. You're right. I'm joking. But but so is it pride? You think? I mean, yeah. Is it like okay?
0: Yeah, I don't know. Don't let pride get in the way. <laughs> Here uh, comes with the budget. Yeah, exactly. Uh, what about uh, Boeing and NASA having a, a demonstrator of a single aisle design?
1: It's the transonic something something wing. I know it's transonic stub wing. So this is a high Wing mount. Um, all right, the seven thirty. All the commercial airplanes there are low wing mount. Basically, the yep. mainline jets, um, like the one forty. Some of the old regional jets were high wing, but this is basically an a truss wing where it's got like a spar sticking out from the bottom, where the current wing mount is a small spar, and then a the main wing mounts to the top, and they create sort of like a V on the outside, and then the top wing keeps going, extends down, and it's a longer thinner front to back wing um it's supposed to be lighter and less resistance for the same amount of lifts lots of good aerodynamic benefits uh it's generally a longer wing to provide the lift necessary so like would it fit in existing gates yeah who could say it depends on how long they have to make it to get the right lift um the good news is i guess is that nasa's willing to pay like 400 ish million dollars to let boeing study this um kind of crazy they're promising a flying demonstrator within a few years like so i can only assume that what they're going to do is take an existing 737 fuselage and somehow modify it yeah and not build what whatever the new true new one is of course the challenge there is many fold one what engines do you use (laughs) <laughs> they have to mount differently. So, like, what are the aerodynamics in that consideration? Are they going to use the new, the engines that are currently in use on the MAX, which are bigger and need, you know, obviously if it's a higher wind mount to start, maybe that helps, but, like, where does the bottom go? Um, someone was pointing out that it looks like, you know, because you no longer can put the landing gear in the wings, you have to, like, was it the C, I get all the military stuff wrong, is it the 17 that, like, has the wheels sort of in the belly and they just stub yeah. out? Yeah. I mean, it's
0: similar to, like, the ATR.
1: Yeah. family where they come out of which is a high another high wing plane right it's the yeah. atr so yeah. um so you know we had, they gotta figure out what they're gonna do with landing gear and like all this stuff has to happen in a very short time frame to try to get one of these off the ground in the uh defined target range I think it's 2028 so it's not like immediate but five years and it's not entirely a clean sheet design but then you also like are they really just using the same 737 fuselage diameter still yeah, I mean, when I'm looking at the pictures. It doesn't look like a 737, right? Well, the wing like, doesn't, but the rest of it sort of does. Kinda,
0: but like you have a T tail now, like
1: it's, it's and also doesn't have a rudder, so you know, like whatever. Yeah, minor details, right? Like there's a weird exit door on the 200 series one that's supposed to be longer, but it doesn't. It's is that is it a wider diameter? It doesn't really look like it, so it only adds. I think John Walton was. On Twitter, like it only adds four rows of windows so it can't be an extra it can't be 50 extra seats with only four rows of windows like yeah yeah there's just a lot of questions um and it's just a demonstrator right this is can we get a plane off the ground with this wing type and certain you know but a commercial size aircraft that meets you know some of the other requirements blah 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 so it doesn't have to be the full thing and mm-hmm. it's nice that it's a research project that nasa is helping boeing on funding wise for of course, that also raises a question, will it be considered state aid when they go to try to sell it and we get a whole other round of World Trade Organization lawsuits?
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, the other thing that's going on with this is they're talking about uh, using um, some other projects, uh, hybridization of engines and thermal efficiency stuff so that they could use electric power or hydrogen power, which we'll talk about in a little bit, for things like top of climb or takeoff. Um, then they think this wing would help with that,
1: which is... Yeah, so this is like is basically a an engine boost; it might be running on Jet A, but there's like a little boost to at takeoff because again, takeoff is when you burn most you know most of the fuel because it's yeah. a less efficient part of the operation to get that thing off the ground and get it up to altitude. Yeah. Um, so yeah, they can do like a a booster, right? Um, it's not quite the nitrous button in Fast and the Furious, but it's close. um A4A wants a waiver extended
0: on slots at Haneda, Haneda, and China.
1: So we talked a little bit about China last week, if I remember correctly, and just how like the U.S. airlines and the whatever, everyone is trying to figure out if they were going to have service to China now that the border has opened suddenly. Um, China is one of a couple markets where the U.S. has a very limited bilateral treaty. And so because the slots are very limited, the Department of Transportation has a strict use it or lose it policy. You get allocated slots. Uh, if you don't use them, the government takes them away. Haneda is the same way in Tokyo Heathrow. Like there's a lot of airports like that around the world. Um, and when COVID hit, all the governments basically agreed that those slot rules would be waived because no one was flying and it was stupid to force ghost flights, empty planes to just keep the slots, but the airlines weren't going to give them up because theoretically they're huge value. Um, and so this was a surprise when China is not that surprising, just opened up demand is super, uh, uncertain right now. Um, partially because everybody's worried like it was open for a couple weeks but is china just going to change its mind again Mm -hmm. um also for u.s carriers to fly nonstop to china west coast works because it's trans-pacific but east coast is usually polar or Mm -hmm. trans-russia and so you know a dulles or Newark to shanghai flight does not work right now yeah so that's a big problem for the u.s carrier so uh the China one, to sus- they want to suspend it through the summer season, so from the end of March th- to the end of October. That makes sense. I can't see why that one would be denied. Uh, also, and they're not going to get denied. All the airlines went in together and asked for this as a group, so no, no, they're, they're going to get what they want. Let's be fair to clear here, but it's interesting, I think, still. Um, the Haneda slots is more interesting because Japan's been open longer, uh, mm-hmm. Still, some not re- and also not really Russian overflight issues, for the most part. Yeah, It's far enough east that they don't necessarily have to, even from the east coast, it's sort of okay. Um, where the challenge there is apparently, uh, U.S. originating traffic is doing great or well enough to justify the routes coming back. And the U.S. carriers are bringing back some of their Japan routes and some of their China routes, or they're trying, at least in China. Um, it's Japan originating traffic has not resumed yet, basically. Hmm. It's just like that market is dead. Um, not even a dead cat bounce, it seems. So the airlines are trying to figure out like, is the Japanese market really going to recover, and what's going on there. So that's what that seems to be the angle they're playing and asking for uh, the slots to be suspended for another few months uh, in Japan. So are U.S. carriers feeling that, or is it? Yeah, it's both. But the, the U.S. carriers, and arguably it's the U.S. carriers feeling it more than the Asian carrier than the Japanese carriers, because the Japanese carriers are probably getting more of the home market.
0: Yeah. I was I was gonna say, like I noticed on my Narita to Seattle flight, it was maybe half full in coach. Yeah. Um I mean it was full in business, maybe a few open seats, but half full in coach. It, which surprised me. Um so I mean, especially since A and A flies that route as well. And and uh Delta Northwest. And Delta, yeah. So uh <laughs> you know, it's it's a little weird.
1: Yeah. Um Continental has a coach share on the Northwest operation? <laughs>
0: Um. Hold so yeah. Joke. Uh, yeah. Uh. Yeah. So I I don't know. I mean, I I guess it makes
1: sense. But just I, has, I, think... I mean, the demand. Uh, yeah, it makes sense to get the waiver if the demand really isn't there. Um. But the, but the flip side of that is like, okay, like let someone else come in and try. No one else wants to try, because all the airlines that are asking for the waivers or all the airlines that could try are part of a for a, which is asked for the waiver.
0: Yeah, I just I guess what it confuses me is like you said, you know, it's uh, the American demand is strong for to go to Japan
1: those people have to come back right sure like, you know, and people it, are this moving is, the us isn't gonna fly at all yes. it's just that they don't want to have to fly their full set of flights like right, the Haneda, I don't to Haneda and i've checked my numbers i think it's 12 daily departures to the united states is what the u.s airlines have yeah that's a lot of lift yeah that's true. and that's just the u.s airlines and there's another 12 for the japanese airlines so like delta might want to only fly atlanta and seattle and la and not or maybe in detroit but not minneapolis like right they they don't want to have to fly all of them united doesn't want to have to fly all of them they don't want to have to do their double daily from chicago and newark one to o'hare and one to narita they are sorry Haneda and one to narita maybe they only want to do the Haneda flights or only the narita flights i don't know
0: what well, which is so let's talk about that because like for united they just made a big deal like they had a big announcement that they were bringing back their Haneda flights um yeah and kind of talking about it as, you know, not bragging, but just saying, you know, everything's coming back. um, And they've already started uh, San Francisco. They started Chicago. I think Newark starts, it just started, maybe. um, And then Dulles, or is Dulles?
1: No, I can't remember I which one. Dulles would, one. would be the last if, uh, yeah. you know, if we'll find the gut game. But.
0: but, like, are they are they seriously, like, thinking about already pulling back on that?
1: I don't know if they'll pull back entirely. It may be day of week. Cuts. Mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. Or... It may truly be like they've got the joint venture with and right mm-hmm. like they might not, and it might they truly it might be all the dullest, but if they don't want to save that dollar slot, they need the same same uh, same protection um as everybody else, so um it's sort of a i'll say a uh conundrum, yeah, I was gonna say more of collusion, but yeah,
0: um, <laughs> but all sort of the airline all the airlines yeah. want this right it's mutually beneficial for them to get these slots
1: extended. These airlines all believe that it's mutually beneficial for them to have this, yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, It's a government-allowed collusion. I'll call it that. Yeah, This this part of it is, um, for better or worse, I'm trying to pull up the schedule and see like what this summer really has loaded right now. And so, here we go. American, oops, only show one wing. American is going to have uh, double daily to LA and daily to DFW from Haneda. I'm looking at June. Delta has Atlanta, DFW, Honolulu, LA, Minneapolis, Portland, and Seattle, one each. And United has Newark, York, Dallas, LA, O'Hare, and San Francisco. No, I forgot about all, LA. Yeah. yeah, all told, that's nine daily flights. No, it's more that's wrong that. What am I doing wrong? Fifteen. Um, it's a lot. Yeah, so I mean, that's and that's what's loaded in the schedules from Sirium right now. It and I think that's full. Um, Actually, I didn't ask. I didn't add Hawaiian in there. I assume Hawaiian has its couple also. Yep. Um. Yeah, Hawaiian yep. has Honolulu and Kona loaded as well. And
0: Delta's kind of kept quiet on the Portland-Haneda route. Like, they've they've kind of said... I think they've been playing their cards close to their chest with that one.
1: Right. And right, this is published for June. We're in the end of January now. Don't be surprised yep. if some of this changes. Yep. Right? If, if they get permission to not fly these, expect that, yes, some of these could be pulled because they don't lose the slots.
0: Um, Southwest strike authorization vote. All while uh, they get the pilots get gratitude pay. I'll put gratitude in quotes.
1: Hey, for uh, forty-five million. Yeah, it's good money. Yeah. Um, for the couple weeks of hell they went through. Um, it's in addition to all the other overtime and everything else they were supposed to get. So it's a nice bonus. Um, it's kind of funny. Like it's ten percent of the lost revenue and probably a similar amount of the compensation payouts for everything else that's going on so it's Mm -hmm. a drop in the bucket compared to the real challenges but it's extra money the carrier had to pay yeah um and yeah they they, there's a strike authorization about going on So the pilots union is still negotiating for a contract it's obviously this is still miles away from an actual strike they'd have to approve it then there's a cooling period and a mediation period and a lot of other things have to happen but uh things are in motion things are in motion and I would say that we we have seen of late uh that type of vote tends to make things happen in negotiations yeah or tends to be uh uh well, not the so what I'm looking for uh happen at the same time as mm-hmm. right it might be correlation not might be correlated to not causal but yeah you know we make nudge, nudge. um we'll see
0: what um i mean when was the last time we've had, like, a major American carrier with an actual strike
1: where it affected
0: flights and... Oh, God. Long, long, long it's been it's been, a, it's been a long time, right? Yeah. Yeah.
1: We need Fos on for that one. Yeah. <laughs>
0: um, all right. So Delta, the, speaking of contracts.
1: Yeah. Delta. So the Deltas, they had their agreement in principle that they announced, like, just before Christmas. Uh, it has been the, the process there is they have the agreement of, like, these are the numbers that we and the things that we think should all happen. Lawyers take that, go into a room and say, okay, this is what it would look like as a contract, and put together with a tentative agreement. The union uh, MEC, I don't know, uh, something committee, uh, the union management uh, master executive committee, I think, uh, or master executive council, Something anyway, they agree that this represents what we had agreed to in the agreement in principle. We will now take it to our members and they will vote on it. So, it has become a uh, tentative agreement. They have uh, agreed that it represents the offer that they had with management, and they are starting their uh, roadshow process where they have like you know, meetings at all of the bases, uh, where they're pilots and talking over what it means and what they're getting what they're not getting, why you should or shouldn't vote for it. The, everybody is pre- expecting that this will pass by a wide margin. Uh, it seems like it's mostly almost all good for Delta. There's some nitpicking bits like the there's the one I heard recently was there's a sort of a single pay rate for single aisle and a single pay rate for twin aisle. So 767 or A330 pilots are getting a big raise because they basically bump up to A350 uh, rates. So they're super excited about that. Um, Similarly, small single aisles jump up to the biggest. So like good news again for the smaller plane pilots. Are the pilots who are flying the bigger planes mad about that? I don't know, maybe, but they're also getting a raise. So everybody's sort of happy except the 757, 767 pilots (laughs) <laughs> because they basically it's a shared type rating so you fly either one depending right like yep. depending on what where they put you that day and uh and it's not the twin like and it's not like a, okay you're flying the twin i'll get the twin i rating today pay today and the single aisle, you get the single i pay that day it's like it's a, a different set of numbers uh apparently so there was some one pilot i was speaking to thought that was a annoying he was in that group so right like mm-hmm. was annoyed that he wasn't getting as big a race but uh, and I haven't heard anybody who thinks this is not going to pass, but we won't know till March first.
0: I mean, this will set kind of the, I guess, yeah. the the this tone for yeah for like how airlines are going to negotiate their contracts with.
1: The yeah, and I think uh, Kirby said in the United Re- earnings call recently, like we expect that that's going to be the template that's used for everybody. We know what it is. We can we should be able to get a deal done pretty quickly now that we have that to work from. Uh, one of the interesting challenges for United is they don't currently have a union chair. Because the guy, like the guy that got elected had to resign because he had some pretty terrible comments uh on one of their pilot message boards, ah. and like the next couple who have been nominated seem to be maybe not equally bad, but not great. levels thereof <laughs> um, so it seems to be showing a bit of dysfunction at the management level within the union uh I'm obviously we're not privy to all of those details, but from certainly parts that I've seen, there hasn't been a strong we have a new person, please bring, like, and, like, the other problem with that is that person has a seat on the United Board. Oh, yeah. So it's currently an empty seat on the board. Yeah. So it's
0: it's causing a little bit of chaos just in general. Right,
1: it's, it, it's not chaos. Like, the, the company will continue to run and, there's an empty seat there waiting as soon as the pilots get someone ready for it, but it's an empty seat. The pilots don't have as much say in the operation right now as they should because they don't have a, an elected leader.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't mean, like, true chaos as far as, like, the airline out running, but... I... I mean, like, chaos as far as the union yeah. feeling like they have a, a
1: a position. It's certainly not a good position for them to be in.
0: Yeah. Uh, um, Ethiopian is adding service to Atlanta via Dublin. Yeah,
1: why not? Yeah, I mean, makes sense to me. Three times uh, a week. Uh, via Dublin Westbound, and I got this wrong earlier, so I'll be happy to admit that they do Dulles, Toronto, and Chicago, maybe? Something else. Uh, via dublin today westbound eastbound uh they fly nonstop back to Otis.
0: okay does do they get to do pre-clearance at uh, dublin no you know no
1: it's a gas and go they never touch a gate gotcha um so uh yeah It'd i mean be a it, nice feature if they did that <laughs> uh yes and no because it's like truly it's a one hour on the ground in the middle of the night oh yeah um and so they don't really uh it's so currently only Newark and Dulles. Um and one of the sometimes one of those goes through Lome, I think. But yep. um I think Dulles had both at one point, actually. Uh mm. yeah, there's some thing on the the one I remember was the uh LA flight, which was sort of last century or century, last decade. Uh mm. like, I think it ended in twenty nineteen uh and that was one that was that had fifth freedom rights both ways you could fly uh Ethiopian just Dublin to hm. LA and back um this is interesting I'm looking at loaded schedules I'm only seeing the Lome to Newark and Dulles flights none of the Dublin stuff right now for June yeah so, I was looking
0: yeah I was looking in the summer because I wanted to I was gonna I was thinking about taking them and everything was via Lome
1: which yeah which interesting that's a yeah I mean I did it I, I did it westbound I did it to uh to Newark via Lomé. Uh you sit on the ground. That's one where they do have local rights on the sh- on on that one. Mm-hmm. So some people got off, some more people got on at Lomé, but you just sit and, sit on the plane. No, yeah, that's
0: nice that they what's, let you sit on the plane.
1: Yeah, yeah what's interesting about though like it's like an hour or so on the ground there, but and like you can sort they, and they had like a security sweep come through. Mm-hmm. So like you sort of have to sit there and hold your bag and then I think I left mine in the overhead and I got yelled at for that, but like whatever. Um and then nothing like getting yelled at by security in West Africa to in your morning, but uh, the the part that's like hard to process for me is Otis to Lome is a transcon. It's a six, hour six ride. hours. Okay. I didn't realize that. Yeah, it's a long hop. So, <laughs> and the other thing that came up in the discussion of this uh, Lome to or not Lome. I'm sorry, Adis to Atlanta is like 200 miles different from Cape Town to Dulles, which is the <laughs> new 787 route that United has launched. Yep, uh, it's only like 200 miles difference, but Otis is at 7,800 feet or 7,500 feet. It's a, it's a very high-altitude airport, so thinner air. Mm-hmm. So, performance-wise, it can't make... You can't run it fully loaded westbound. So, wow. that's why they make a pit stop, uh, theoretically, in Dublin. Wow.
0: I, um, I, I find it fascinating. Like, we're getting a lot... There's a lot of, like, West African flights coming on. Like, uh, you know, Accra to Dulles. There's uh, Lagos uh, to Atlanta. Um, I think there's Lagos to JFK. To, to JFK as well, maybe, yeah. Um, and then you've got, you know, Cape Town, you've got, uh, I mean, Johannesburg, so that's South Africa, but I'm just thinking, like, there's more African routes now, I think, that yes. we've seen in, a, in
1: in quite a while. It's, I mean, there was that time when Delta tried to have a hub in Dakar. Uh, yeah, Accara, Dakar, yes. Yeah, yeah, Atlanta, yeah right. I think you're right, Senegal. Senegal, yeah. yeah, right. They tried to do a hub operation out of JFK in Atlanta and then sort of into a couple different places in Africa. So... Maybe not, but that was very short-lived and may have, half of it may have only been on paper. Um, yes is the short answer. There are there are some, right? This is the advantage of planes that can fly long, thin routes. Uh, Uganda was trying one, I thought. Uh, or maybe it was, no, is there Senegal mm-hmm. wanted to fly nonstop? Uh, they can't because as an airline, they the country doesn't have the right safety certification from the FAA. <laughs> so they actually... Bought the planes and then leased them to Highfly huh. Malta. So it's a European airline and it operates as a dedicated, painted, whatever, but it's not operated by Air Senegal. It's operated by Highfly. So it technically operates as a European airline. Yeah. Um, huh. And there's 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 weird things like that that happen. Um, I think Gulf Air is also working on, I think they just applied for code shares to the US and similarly don't have the right rating and recognize that at least for starters that it would have to be only on Western uh, uh, uncertified airlines or through code shares. but mm-hmm. uh, eventually are like wet leases but eventually they are hoping to be able to operate some of those themselves interesting yeah I was looking it's uh, Air Senegal operates
0: Baltimore and JFK to uh, Dakar right now
1: I think that's a tag flight also I think it does like Baltimore okay. JFK Senate. I got you okay that makes sense so I don't they don't have local traffic rights but I think the plane goes through
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm
1: yeah uh, it's i, I mean it's it's
0: right it's cool i mean like uh what is it you've got you've also got uh you know jfk to Accra, takar to and lagos yeah i mean there's there's a lot it's just it's fascinating to me how things have kind of changed um you know over the years so
1: yeah um yeah, yeah gulf there air there? wants to anticipates launching nonstop service from bahrain to the united states upon receipt of all required government approvals but it'll have to wet lease or code share for now that came out last month Okay. Um, tell me about Delta's new routes. Um mostly as expected, I guess. They there was a we'll say leak slash discussion about the uh LA to Auckland route coming online, so that'll be the third airline if operating to Auckland now. Yeah. It's hot. bit uh, but yeah, big market there. Uh some exciting recovery happening. Uh Atlanta to Nice for the coming summer. Okay. Sure why not? Yeah. Um and JFK to Paris will go up to three times a day for summer 2023. Three times? That's on top of Air France's six. Wow. Combined, they will fly it nine times every day. I mean, I like Paris, but that's a lot of flights. And, you know, they do onward feed, so yeah. a lot of connecting traffic into Africa, into Asia, into other parts of Europe. But, oof, it's a lot of, of pl- a lot of seas to fill. And, you know, it's, All told, still slightly fewer seats than London, Mm -hmm. but it's getting close. Wow! So crazy. uh, I think it's actually an interesting question: is you know, for all of the airlines, how many seats there are from New York City to uh, Paris and London this summer? Because I mean, those are just two markets that are huge.
0: Yeah. Wow. I'm sure. I'm sure it'll still be crazy with you know, Sky Mile redemption prices even with that many flights
1: <laughs> oh well yeah oh um, I'm just gonna try to find the numbers real quick here if I can uh for wait in July it's a good month right yeah July's good uh American will have if I gotta do math this is why this gets bad um divided by thirty one so American will have four daily to Heathrow and one to Paris uh British Airways has three, four, 12 daily. Jesus. British Airways still has 12 daily to London. That's nuts. Across Gatwick and Newark and JFK and Heathrow. Wow. Um, yeah. French B has a ton of seats. JetBlue is adding its, it's not filed yet, but it's supposed to have its Paris flights this summer. Norse has... La Com- Compagnie? La Compagnie has, yep, yeah, they're on their daily service. Um... It's a lot, yeah. That's a whole lot. Wow, wow. And there's a couple of Gatwick flights, Delta, BA, and North. I'll have Gatwick flights now to JFK. <laughs> and JetBlue. It's 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 crazy, man. The I might actually be the busiest the JFK Gatwick market's been since Open Skies happened.
0: Since since Continental days, maybe.
1: Yeah, well, they wouldn't fly from JFK.
0: But yeah, yeah, I see what you're saying.
1: Um, Envoy, the regional carrier
0: uh is ending its uh E one forty five operations for American Eagle. Yeah,
1: we end in total.
0: In to- like just completely, yeah.
1: Yeah. So they they have basically said it's operational requirements, uh, spare parts, pilots, you get I mean operations, right? It's supply chain, they're blaming everything. All the all the good buzzwords are in there. But basically they operate one seventies, 175s, and then the one forty fives and by dropping the one forty fives they have a single pool of pilots and parts and operations that just works better. So they'll they're gonna do that. Um that makes sense in a lot of ways. Uh those planes I think are getting transferred over to Piedmont. Mm-hmm. Uh the pilots are gonna stick around and get retrained uh and rebased, if I was reading it correctly, so they won't be uh necessarily in all the same places or I should take that back. They're sticking over. They're keeping the Dallas and Dallas, Miami and O'Hare bases. Um so they will be keeping those. Um, but they're closing the dallas and o'hare uh erj base gotcha uh, so chicago will still have
0: e145s right like it, they're gonna be completely gone from dfw
1: it looks like they'll be completely gone from dfw we gotta see the f- schedule filing i haven't seen it yet for this weekend um the updates but it seems like they'll be completely gone at dfw still plenty in charlotte uh and still some at o'hare because the uh piedmont backfill
0: yeah and this will uh, cr2s will i guess fill in the gaps
1: <laughs> yeah, and then CR2s as well.
0: I don't. I think it's a loss for
1: everybody. <laughs> I, I'm with you on that.
0: <laughs> I would have much rather flown the E145, but okay, whatever. Uh, let's let's talk. I think you said hold it for the next
1: episode, and we can talk about on the next episode. But express lounges. I I, I, I want to hold fun, this bro. for the next episode. We're, we got okay, a lot okay, today. Okay, okay, sorry. Okay, right. I know it's fine. I want to have my ice cream and go to bed. I'm tired. Okay,
0: all right. So that's. I mean, that's the end of the regular episode. But we're going to talk a little bit about uh, hydrogen planes. Uh, uh, the AA. Uh, runway and curtain yeah yeah and then avello versus breeze and some of the stats going on there so we'll talk about that in the bonus episode for our patreon subscribers uh if you're not uh, we still love you listening to the show we like people asking questions or leaving comments so feel free to do that on twitter or on the website and uh we will talk to
1: you in the next one happy travels take care and if you happen to be in copenhagen uh the weekend that this comes out uh you should reach out because we will be too